Hello, hello. We're back. Um, I was going to do one yesterday, but I decided against it. I started to record it, and I was just like, eh, don't feel like it. So today we're doing it. Uh, Bass Squad Radio number 16. One of these days I'm going to stop saying that. But, uh, but yeah, so we're uh, still still, uh, still, still, still cold outside. Excuse me on the stutter. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I talked about that book last time that I was reading. The by BJ Novak. It's actually his like his debut book, dude. It is just an absolutely hilarious book. I've never. I don't think I've ever read a book where I've actually laughed. I've finished it already. It was such so. It was, it was absolutely amazing. Um, like he he just has like these short stories and it, it's phenomenal. So I don't want to ex- try to explain to you. It's hard to explain a short story book on why it's good and the plot. There's no plot line. There's just a bunch of different ones. Like he has one short story that's entitled "The Comedy Central Roast of Nelson Mandela." <laughs> it's basically just like a transcript of uh, these all the Comedy Central roasters like roasting Mandela, and it's so it's so weird and nerdy and it's hilarious. I couldn't you know, like when I was working out I always like ride the bike or whatever and was reading that and I just seriously must have looked like a crazy person because I was laughing out loud literally on the bike so um but uh yeah today I was driving around and I Joe Rogan I listened to Joe Rogan's again like I've said a million times but he went on seriously one of the most epic rants and it was the great. It was such a great thing. It was on on passion and stuff like that. And he he's really well spoken, and he hits the point home really well. And well, if he, I'm I'm obsessed with like his thought process and his podcast. So if he told everybody to shave their heads and drink some Kool Aid, I, I more than likely will. But but uh, just just I'm gonna play it because I I really can't do it justice on what he was actually saying. So I'm gonna play that right now to uh, to start the podcast off. People at the merch booth get aggressive with whoever's yeah. signing. Say, "Hey, this, I, you know, this is what I want. Give me basically, you owe this to me." That kind of mentality. It does happen. Mm-hmm. I think it all. I mean, I don't know because I'm trying to figure out how this happened. You know, because ne- it never happened to me before. Like before the podcast and before um, you know social media. Essentially, when I was dealing with people, I was dealing with people that knew me from something else. They knew me from Fear Factor, or they knew me from the UFC, or they knew me from news radio, you know, or they knew me from comedy. Those were the options. Mm-hmm. It wasn't they knew me. Like, these people just all know me. It's weird. It's totally different. Yeah. It's like, they say hi, like they know me. You know, like, dude, what's up? And I'm like, what's up? What's going on? You know, it's, it's very strange. But they, they, the know, they do. I mean, they get you get to reveal these really amazing parts of yourself and your and your mind on your podcast and i think that's such a great thing about what you're doing and what you know most podcasts if if they're good ones you know you have you create good conversation you create real situations of of conversation and people get to witness that and that's so cool well they also get to be a part of it you know because they get to see the whole thing like Mm -hmm. one of the things i like about this podcast we don't we don't like edit it it goes out live it's all you know it is what it is and because of that you kind of get to see who everybody really is if it was really produced and there was all these fast edits and there was all this you know you know really pre-planned segments and it would f- feel less 
like you were really there. You might enjoy it still, but you wouldn't feel like you'd know the people that well. Yeah. And people that are stuck in some shit spot, wherever the fuck you are, if you're in Bangor, Maine, or not not to, to besmirch Bangor, it's a fine community. But if you're anywhere, <laughs> nice word. if you're in some weird spot and you know you don't have a lot of cool people around you, you could listen to Honey Honey Talk. You can listen to Adam Carolla. You could, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people that you're going to les- get to listen to the way they think. And I know for a fact that I have... Part of who I am has been formed by listening to people far smarter and more experienced than myself talk and that their their thoughts shaped my reality. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to introduce other people to the thoughts and ideas that have shaped my reality, my thoughts and ideas that I've gotten from those thoughts and ideas and other people's thoughts and ideas that continue to shape my reality – it's not just me putting on a show. It's me being a part of it oh, and the yeah. audience be a part of it too. Everyone's a part of it. It's well, like, I'll tell you what, I think that it's an incredible thing that you're doing that and you're continuing to do that because if the majority of people are watching bullshit reality shows, you know, where they're scripted and staged and they're supposed to be these <clears throat> candid, um, examples of, of really asinine shit. It really annoys me, you know, like real housewives. And it's right. like, like, Trying to make something like, oh, you're you're wearing the same dress as me or whatever the fuck be important and I'm going to fight you. I, I don't even know. I don't watch that shit because right. I think it's it's bad for you. Right. I think that it um, lowers your um, vibration. You know what right. I mean? Like and, and when you're you're doing what you're doing, which is um, being I, I think you're brilliant. I'm not trying to be weird, but you're you have this incredible mind and you share it with people. And and lots of different people, and you have these situations. It's really great to listen to, and you're right. People learn from it. Well, I'm definitely not brilliant, but what I am is curious, <laughs> and I have a lot of free time. Sure. And so Call I just keep, want. <laughs> I keep thinking about shit because I have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if people were like born to do anything in life. I don't know if anybody was born to do anything in life, but I think for sure, if you follow your passion, you feel like you were born to do this. For sure, if you actually do what you enjoy out of life and there was some really weak ass article that somebody posted the other day that i'm sick and tired of rich people saying to follow your passion it was hilariously stupid whoever whatever dumbass wrote it he actually had to change the title the next day because Mm -hmm. of a barrage of hate that he he got from it but it was about richard branson and a bunch of people saying follow your passion and he was saying essentially that most people shouldn't follow their passion and in fact they should keep their passion as a hobby yeah you know why because he's a weak bitch he's a weak bitch and he's worried that he possibly wasted his life writing shitty articles like this and in fact he did and he was also talking about how you know fortunate he is personally to do what he does but all these self-deprecating throws to poverty in it and all this nonsense in it essentially what he's doing was he was writing uh, a thing that was downplaying greatness and inspiration and when someone says follow your passion you know, if anybody that says don't do that is a fucking idiot, because here's the thing. If you love making guitars, okay, and you just love guitars, you love making guitars, and you say, God, I would love to make guitars for a living. Someone fucking does that, okay? There's a guy out there, and he gets up every morning, and he makes fucking guitars. And if that's what he loves to do, that guy loves life. We're not talking about breathing underwater, fuckface. We're not talking about flying to the moon with a fucking rubber band. We're talking about making guitars. If your passion is making guitars, and you read that asshole's article where it says, Don't follow your passion. Fuck you, stupid. Fuck you, you weak dummy, you fucking disease of ideas. You're a disease idea. That's 
what you are. You're a rotten little weak man with poor hormones, and you can't figure out that your passion doesn't necessarily mean rich. Like, I'm so tired of rich people saying, follow your passion. Shut the fuck up. What difference does it make if they're rich? Everyone should say, follow your passion. That's how buildings got made. That's why airplanes were invented. That's why you could watch fucking television. Because someone followed their passion. What happens when you read Lord of the Rings? You're reading so much passion. You're wearing clothes. You're wearing passion. You're listening to music. You're listening to passion. I'm reading your stupid fucking article. You're Lack of passion is your passion. Your lack of following your passion is what you're so passionate about portraying. Shut up, dummy. Amen. Shut oh, up. God. Amen. I'm going to hold you down and I'll butter <laughs> so- your scone, you fuckhead. <laughs> so that was it. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that <clears throat> that notion just hits so hard, like, in terms of fishing and in terms of anything you do. Like, he's right. Like, it doesn't mean just because you're not rich doesn't mean you're not you're not doing right you're not being you're not happy and if that if there's not a a single more thing that was said that encompasses what I'm trying to do what Bass Squad's trying to do and what you know hopefully you guys are trying to do with this is just it's just unbelievable and and I I'm so happy that someone like that like a voice is out there that isn't a pretentious dickhead or isn't someone who's just doing something for money like he releases all those podcasts for free he does this like 3 hours a day he does, I think, four a week. He's a fucking animal. Like when it comes to just producing stuff, and he he's actually mentioned bass fishing a few times, and hopefully, and he's and he's uh, thinking about getting. Uh, he's uh, he's got property lined up in the Madison area, which is in Wisconsin, and uh, so that uh, and he he's gets addicted to stuff, and it would be my dream to go take him out and fish, so pick his brain a little bit or talk to him about bass. It, it, I don't know. Cause he was he was uh, talking to this girl and she's from Knoxville or something and he's she was talking about fishing and he goes well it's something about the Tennessee River and bass fishing and he brought it up and I'm like well okay you got at least I know like to us or to the bass fishermen it seems like yeah of course the Tennessee River is phenomenal but that's not common knowledge to everybody and like for someone to say that at least you got to be diving in a little bit to the sport and at least knowing around a little bit so so that's pretty cool to know like someone like that that's pretty well known by a lot of people um is into that stuff so so i'm done talking about that yeah so <clears throat> yeah the rest of us will get on the podcast um he uh well this is also stemming off of rogan i guess um he advertises um lumosity i don't know if anybody's familiar with that it's like a brain games type of thing and it stretches out your mind and helps you i don't know it stretches out your mind but like it's basically like a workout for your mind and like strengthens memory and stuff like that and he always talks about neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, and I have, I have no idea what it meant. And so, like, today I finally just looked it up, and, I don't know, there's, it's kind of hard to explain, but this this girl on this, on this website kind of explained it the right way, and she said, if you're driving from, like, I don't know, sorry, it's hard for me to get this point across, because it's still kind of, it's like, neuroplasticity is like your brain being able to, shift and your brain being able to pick up on things and, and actually physically change in its chemistry. Um, she said, if you're driving from here to Milwaukee and the main bridge goes out, first you're paralyzed, then you take out, take old secondary roads to the farmland, then you use these roads more, you find shorter paths to get where you want to go and you start to get there faster. These secondary neutral pathways are unmasked or exposed and strengthened as they are used. The unmasking process is generally thought to be one of the principal ways in which, pla- in which the plastic brain recognizes itself. So basically what it is is repetition. Repetition doing something, oh, here, face with a problem, and then 
oh, your brain instantly can pick it up and recognize it the next time it happens. Or you can keep doing something over and over again, and you'll be able to, I don't know. It's, it's, a, cool, it's a cool concept, and, and it definitely applies to bass fishing. Um, where, like I'm, I've been stating before about how you continually do something over and over, and it continue, it, it reverting back to like the thing that Mark sent me. Um, it's on one of my pockets. I think it's on thirteenth or fourteenth. I, I don't remember. But he, uh, it was about. Uh, I don't remember what it was actually. It was, it was basically just you, non some competence, none. I, I don't know. I, whatever. It, it, it's something where you just continually do something. It becomes second nature, and that's basically. It, I mean, it's science. So <laughs> just keep practicing, keep grinding out there, and do it. Um, I, I forget who I was talking to, but it was some somebody was talking to me, some guy that doesn't bass fish or doesn't fish really at all, and he goes, well, what is enjoyable about fishing? And, and I couldn't really give him a straight answer because I had no idea why. And then, like, I kind of started to think about it, and this may be the nerd in me talking, and this may be the weird thing of me breaking stuff down into stuff that it doesn't even need to be broken down into, but I honestly think the reason why fishing is enjoyable is because it's just a primal thing in our in our evolution. Like, fishing used to be something that we needed to do to get food, and it was always enjoyable when we caught fish. That's why it's kind of like you get this in, innate ability or innate response when you are fishing, and regardless of what kind of fishing it is, you kind of just have this weird feeling come over you, like, oh, that's, that's why I just did that. That kind of thing. Like, I've taken many people that have never fished before out bass fishing, and then, you know, they catch one, and they're, they're happy, and they have no idea why, because they've never done it before, and it's not something that they're, they're regularly used to, and I think the primal instinct of fishing is definitely why we're so addicted to bass fishing, we're so addicted to that, that feeling, that highness, that rush, um, and, and then, like, on top of that, when you add competitive bass fishing on top, uh, on, onto the primal, you know, instincts we have with fi the attachment humans have to fishing... It just turn, kicks it up into a whole other level that people won't really understand unless they do it. And I really have never had a negative response to it. Like, people always enjoy it. When I tell and I not some some idiot where they're just trying to talk shit about me and doing this, do, talking about this, talking about that, about, well, it's so fucking dumb about fishing. It's like, you know what, you have no idea, and I'm not even going to bother and waste my time talking to you. So... But everybody that actually is interested, semi-interested, it's like, they're like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. It's strange, but it's, it's kind of cool. And then, like, you start to break it down a little bit more. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's, I'm glad that you're doing that. You're doing what you love to do. And, and so, I don't know. It's, it's, a cool, it's a cool thing. Um, let's see here. Yeah, this might be a shorter podcast. I'm not really too want to talk too much about stuff today. It's not anything special about today. I just kind of had that... that uh, that rant he went on just kind of charged me up and I kind of wanted to record something so but I'm going to be doing one tomorrow and doing one with Casey one of these days and one of my, my buddy Alex who uh, is like my best friend and I haven't talked to him in a couple of months he lives up in northern northern Wisconsin and we were like a really good college buddies so that should be an interesting podcast I'm, I'm pretty uh pretty pumped about that um but uh yeah so <clears throat> let's see there's some people are emailing us which is awesome some people uh talking on Twitter about, one guy asked about bed fishing during a tournament, and I apologize, I don't have Twitter up right now, I can't, but you know who you are, I think Stan is his name, Stan, um, talking about bed fishing during a tournament, and what are my thoughts on it, and you know, I used to be, I grew up actually fishing like a, like where I could walk, is like actually like three miles away from my house, but where I could walk, and it was like a rock quarry that struck a spring or something, and it filled up, and it's just gin clear water, and and people started stocking trout in there, and then 
they stocked bass, and then the bass started in the trout. Essentially, turned into like a small California lake, so it's like stocked with giant largemouth, like huge ones, and huge for up here. Like they're all five and six pounders, and I got cut my teeth basically on bed fishing because they don't. Once the lake is like 150 feet deep in the middle, there was like a train wreck down there, and it's a, it's a cool it's a cool deal, and it's just basically sheer rock bluffs on the sides. But then they're in a spring, you know, they come up to like the really shallow areas, and it's super easy to see them, and it's fun to you know, look at them and stuff, and it, they're, they're not really pressured very much, so they're not, they're not too difficult to catch, but I kind of cut my teeth on bed fishing, and I really, really liked bed fishing for a long time, that's kind of how I got into bass fishing, so when I was like 16 or so, and started my first tournaments, I would always look, in the early ones, I'd always look for, oh, gotta get the bed fish, gotta get the bed fish, now I don't think it's unethical, because, you know, you must want, you must one good it, it, the fish will spawn again it's not gonna die it'll be fine i think that it's not gonna harm the population whatsoever but so I, anyways getting back to my point i was i was always trying to do that i was trying to find bed fish or in the spring tournaments and, and it always bit me in the ass every single time because mo- for me especially up here for, for some odd reason the females don't stay on beds very long and it seems like down south they stay on beds a lot longer i don't know i don't know if that's scientifically anything but seems like guys say, oh, yeah, I found a female three days ago, and I'm going in there on the first day of the tournament. And then they sit there, and they catch the eight-pounder. But up here, it just seems like the bucks all just sit on the bed, and then the female's hardly ever there. And I don't really catch too many females unless it was at that quarry by my house. But so anyways, we, you know, you spend – it's hard to get a judge. I think your, your best bet is just – I don't like – now I used to do it, and I'd gotten burned so many times. Casey and I, I remember a tournament where we were going up to a bed – and we were casting around. I mean, this is before we got pretty good. And we were catching three-pounder, three-pounder. And then we would sit on this bed, and we saw fish bedding. We spent like two and a half hours on it, and it was like a 15-incher. Well, then we moved to the next bed, and that was another small one. And it's like, well, if we just would have kind of picked off the fish that were cruising around, we spent way too much time on bed fish, and it was just one of those mistakes that I'm not going to make anymore. Where unless I know it's an absolute giant, I'm not going to sit there and screw with it for a while. So I think your best bet is and I've used this plenty of times, is find a spawning pocket and try to pick the fish off. Go for the pre-spawn fish as much as you possibly can. And if they're spawning, there's going to be fish in transition, always. If there's a fish on a bed, there's a fish in transition. So if they're, maybe you go for the post-spawn fish if there's, a fish on a, if there's fish on a bed. Or if there's fish on the bed, check if there's pre-spawn. If, there's no more, if these are legitimately the last fish to spawn, go fish for post-spawn fish. In my opinion... You, you, because especially if it's the last one, there'll be fish in post spawn and only fish right into their summer patterns. So there's that weird, like, week period where they're just all in shock and they're all, they all bite strange, but you're not going to run into that too often. I feel like there's always fish running around doing some sort of transition period. So, <clears throat> and well, and if let's just say you're forced and you got a bed fish, well, I, there's like a few things that I always for and I kind of always picked up on. There's, and this is true with a bunch of people say it. And there's a sweet spot on the bed. And if you find it, it's just do your best to just keep hitting that spot. The fish will react a certain way. You, What I do always is I pitch and I pitch and I pitch and I just drag it as fast as I can until I get a reaction from a certain spot. Now I get a certain reaction from a certain spot on the bed. And let's just say it's a little stick that's sitting in the right-hand corner of the bed. So I pitch to that stick and it'll go right to it again. And that's where you know you found the sweet spot on the bed. Now you sit there and you shake it and you piss it off a little bit. I always cheat 
And no, I don't mean I'm, I'm going to sit there and snag the fish. I always get it to like, I start shaking. I'm actually shaking my hand right now, showing you guys. Um, I always shake it a little bit and then pop my wrist real hard. That'll almost always elicit a reaction bite. Now, you may call that whatever. It's not, I it's legal and that's the quickest way for me to do it. I always, and then sometimes I'll get it where I'll bang the fish in the head a few times with a big jig to piss it off, get on the sweet spot of the bed, pop up a little like white tube or something, and it sucks it in. It, it, it's it's something that I kind of been, I've been messing around with this since I was like 14, and I'm pretty decent at bed fishing. I just don't do it. I don't like to do it a lot. So the reaction bite is definitely the way to go because they seriously can't help it. When something shoots by their face that quickly, they, they open their mouth and it sucks right in. So I always, you, you do have to be careful with that. So I don't, I always opt not for using an exposed hook in that in that sense, because in case you do kind of pop it in a wrong, you know, and it does hook the fish, then you're not screwed by putting it back and then trying to fish for it all over again, where you're really not gonna, not gonna gain too much progress doing that. So, <clears throat> so yeah, so I just, you know, I use a, usually just use a white tube with like a you know quarter ounce or whatever weight. Sometimes I'll jump up to a three eighths just to get a little bit more bottom contact, and you can control it a little bit better when you pop it. So try and pop it so it jumps right in front of their mouth, and they'll dr just drill it. And you got to be really quick with the with the hook set. Excuse me. The funny thing also that I've noticed, and I've talked to a bunch of people about it, and it's kind of kind of strange, but when you're watching a fish bite, you don't feel the bite. And I mean, that just kind of strange. I mean, you can see them suck it all the way in and pop it out and you don't feel anything. I don't know if that's just because you're looking at it and your senses are kind of skewed a little bit, but it's kind of strange when you think about how many times does that happen where I literally don't feel the fish bite and they spit it out. So that's just a little weird thing to ponder about. But uh, another dude, uh, Kyler Shilmeniak, I think that's how you pronounce your name, but I don't really remember. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, he's from the Pewaukee or the the Milwaukee area in in Wisconsin, um, and he fishes for Bethel right now. He's uh, actually he's <laughs> we went to the classic and we ran into him, and I I've seen him before because I actually I talked to his youth club when he was at a youth club around the Milwaukee area, and I kind of got to know him or whatever. But so we're at the Bassmaster Classic. And his school was there. He was with a couple of school buddies. Whatever, who cares? It doesn't really matter. But he, uh, we're watching. All of a sudden, Mercer's walking around looking for the person to do that uh, pitch to win contest or whatever to flip into the bass's mouth. And that cocksucker got <laughs> got picked. And we were just like, "Oh my god, that's the dude. That's Kyler. <laughs> we just met him." So, so that was cool for him. But anyways, he uh, asked about the new uh, FLW acronym and what my feelings are on it. I, I, I want to. I don't know what the point of it was they changed i don't know if anybody don't know they changed it from they changed it from flw outdoors to fishing league worldwide so basically they took the bass bass logo i don't know i'm not gonna say they copied it because it's not i don't i don't know it's just it's not like it's an acronym like bass where it's also a a word but this is just FLW, which I think stood for Forest L. Wood. I'm not really positive on that, but I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what FLW stood for. So I don't understand why they changed the fishing league worldwide. It's not like the people that 
didn't know about it or now are going to know about it or now become more attracted to it because it's changed its name to Fishing League Worldwide. I don't really understand. I'm not talking shit about the company. I like FLW and I think they're great what they do, but this just kind of seemed like it's, they moved sideways. It's not like they progressed in what they were doing. This is just, I don't know what the point was and I don't know what the, uh, I don't have an answer on why they did it. So, um, Another thing with the questions, you guys, um, if you email us, I really apologize if we don't get to you because we have four guys that have access to, to the email and I found one that I'm going to read right now um, that just got kind of pushed away into the abyss of our email inbox because it turns out it was like, I think it was, uh, let's see when it was sent. It was sent tw uh, 12 days ago, so like March 15th or whatever, and it said, um, blah, 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 this is the topic podcast. And I was looking through my email. I was like, oh, my God, I never even opened that. Well, it turns out Ted opened it. <laughs> and he answered him and said, oh, uh, I'm sure Ty will get to those pot topics on the podcast. So I was like, well, Ted, you got to tell me when <laughs> when someone does that. And, yeah, I'll get to the topics if you uh, if you just let me know that the email was. So I opened it up. And it was from Kyle, uh, Kyle Waller from – and he said uh, – what do you do when it's 12 o'clock in a tournament and you have no fish? Your patterns went to shit. Whether your practice was good or bad, you haven't had fish on all day. What do you do? Follow instincts, grind it out. I like to look for one, running water when worse comes to worse. We've all been there. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Um, if you're fishing a river system, look for current breaks. There's always fish on current breaks, especially smallmouths. I know you're, they're not always going to be the big ones, but any tournament that you can find like a like a rock eddy or something like that, just toss something behind it. There's going to be a fish there. It's a classic ambush point. It, it constantly reloads. So that's always a good choice. Not necessarily running water because running water can mean anything, I think. So, I mean, you can't just go out where there's water moving because that's not – you got to look for something a little bit different in the water, like maybe a tree or, or a rock or, you know, something like that that's really distinct where you can go to cast. That's where you can go pick up a, a random fish here and there. Um, <clears throat> I've always just tied on a Senko if I need fish, like a legit. But, you know, to me, if I have no fish at 2 o'clock, catching 5 15 inches on a Senko ain't going to help me any. So I just, in my opinion, I grind it out until the very, very end. And 12 o'clock is not late. Now, I've had a million of occasions. And you know what actually what helps me a lot learn that is I fish leagues on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and they're only three hours and we get a five limit five bass limit. And it's pretty amazing how slow three hours actually goes. So that really if I if anything if anybody feels panicked at twelve, I'd suggest highly to join like a bass league or or something like that because it actually puts things into perspective on how long three hours actually is. Um just start just put your head down. I think you just got to keep sticking with your patterns. Um, I've done it many times where I've frogged all day and for whatever reason in the gods, in the fishing gods world, the fish turn on at 1.30 and I'll get a limit out real quick on frogs in an area I've fished all day. I feel like don't just move around just for the sake of moving around. Make sure you have a plan and if you're just fishing to catch a limit, that's generally not going to win you anything. I mean, yeah, congratulations, you finished 10th place. Here's your your receipt for your weigh-in, and you can go back and go home because you're not going to – I mean, unless it's like a 
an event like the Elite Series where a top 50 cashes a check, you generally, like, in our, and, like, if you're a touring professional or whatever, but if it's something like a club tournament or, or something like that, you, I don't want to say swing for the fence because that's not always the, always the best way to go about things. I usually do that, but generally you just want to just just keep fishing with what you're doing and do what you're confident in or or just maybe expand a little bit, maybe move out a little bit from the weed line or go in to some docks or something like that. But don't don't try and scrap together a, a shitty limit of eight pounds if it's a good lake. I mean, that's not going to do you any good and you're just wasting time. You could potentially have caught up giant, you know, doing what you were, what you figured out in practice. But if you have nothing in practice going at all and you have a tournament going, to be honest, what I always do and what Casey has kind of shined light onto, fish areas you've never fished before. It, it sounds stupid, but it actually works out. Like fish areas you've never fished on a lake. It sounds really dumb, but when I started doing that, it's like, oh, there's a little tiny weed patch way in this back that I've never seen before, and then I've caught fish off of it. Driving around the lake and just fishing areas you've never fished before on your last day of practice or whatever, or during a tournament if you don't have anything going. It, it's actually a, it's a really simple concept, but it actually does work. So that's another thing I would try. Um, docks are always something that hold fish on any lake. I mean, you might not always catch giants, but there's usually always fish on docks. There's always fish on matted vegetation, lily pads, whatsoever. So riprap banks, if you're not, if you don't have anything going, I know I'm trying to, trying to preach into the choir here, but all that stuff is just generally stuff you want to just, if you need, if you need to grind out one more, if you need to grind out one more, you go fish where you caught your biggest fish in practice or during a tournament and just fish that same area. There's been times where I've been punching and I've caught a five pounder out of a punching, out of a hole. And then, you know, all day goes by, I come back and there's, you can see where the fish came out of. I flip back into that same hole and there'd be another giant there. Fishing over spots is definitely a good, good deal because there's way more fish than you even can, can fathom underneath the mats and stuff like that. And underneath in, in, in any given area. It's just a matter of when they turn on and I don't know, they just fish are weird and you know, you got to just continue to just grind it out. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good choice to just grind it out. It sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't shit happens, you know, you got to deal with it, but, oh, let's see 30 minutes. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably wrap it up now. I don't really got too much else to go on. Plus I don't want to ruin the bandwidth. Um, the next group I'm going to be releasing a couple more pretty frequently. I, I would imagine this weekend I might do do one a day so um yeah guys keep keep uh commenting on our stuff we had spros before hoes on on twitter that that meme kind of took that was pretty funny casey made so that's twitter has been awesome twitter you guys interaction twitter facebook has been a little bit slow so if you guys haven't liked us on facebook check out our facebook page um it's bass squad corp same thing as twitter <clears throat> um bassquadcorp.com we got our t-shirts and sweatshirts and blogs and profiles with weigh-in songs and stuff like that and we got bass bites baits coming on going to be sponsoring the podcast and going to be one of the things we feature on our website we're going to have alabama rigs or as he calls them the ak rigs which are phenomenal um i've spoke about them before watch our gunnersville montage youtube video and you see how many giants are caught and it's not just one thing where it's like oh alabama rigs and alabama rig well 
anything is anything. You know, you can say a crankbait's a crankbait, but a lucky craft is better than any, you know, most of them. I'm not going to throw any specific crankbaits under the bus, but you know what I mean? Like, you can say a spinnerbait's a spinnerbait, but until you actually get down to brass tacks and you look at the components that are used and why this is just a little bit better than that one. I kind of spoke about KVD tweaking everything to get himself just as many little tiny percentage chances that he can. So the Bass Bites AK rig is the, by far, in a way, the best Alabama rig I've ever used. And it does. we, all three of us, used it pretty significantly throughout the week. I kind of stuck with the single swim bait most of the time, but we, none of them broke. We caught just tons of fish or like in, in Gunnersville. And it doesn't really apply much up here except for maybe on great on lake michigan but try it out dude they're they're great dude sorry they're they're great uh they're great baits but um yeah use promo code bsr on the uh apparel and save 10 percent i'm gonna think i'll wrap her up right now uh thanks a lot for listening peace out check out our new ones coming soon they will be coming very very soon so peace out guys